Hello and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. Welcome back. It's a new year, 2024. Um, as one comedian has said, it might be the last year. It seems, it feels like maybe it's the last year. There's a lot going on. Um, we will learn a lot about ourselves this year. It'll be a year of self-reflection, Oklahoma, right? We will, all of us will learn a little bit about what it means to be an American, what it means to be a voter, um, where our grit and our gusto comes from. I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm just talking. Um, it, it is a big year. It's a presidential election year. Undoubtedly, we will talk about that along the way. Um, but today, uh, this we're recording this on Thursday, January 18th, so a day earlier. We usually record on Fridays. Um, and that's because we have a special guest with us today um, that we'll get to in just a second. But I just want to say from the top, um, today is the bill filing deadline for the Oklahoma legislature. And undoubtedly, listeners, you have seen several bad bills absurd, offensive, unconstitutional, whatever adjective you would like to use here. It is probably true. Now, there are there are lots of good bills as well. But just as a reminder, there will be roughly two to 3,000 bills filed for this session, plus the bills that are left over from last session. There'll be, you know, I don't know, 4,000, 5,000 bills out there floating around. And at the end of May, only a few hundred, right? 300 or 400 of them will make it all the way through. So to whatever extent I can caution you to not um, totally lose your cool about totally absurd bills right now, please do it, right? Like I'm telling you for myself as well, it's always bad this time of year. Most of this nonsense will drop off by the middle of March, by the first deadline. Now that doesn't mean you can just sit on your haunches we will try to keep you informed about the bills that are bad for democracy. There's already been some that have been filed and uh, retracted or amended. So like, stay tuned, give us some time. I got to, we got to read a few thousand bills this weekend. And then uh, we'll talk about that more as we get into session. Now, deep breath, take a break, let the session stuff float out. And we're going to talk about building bridges today, which is probably a good place to start. Um, my guest today is Ariel Mizrahi, who is the partnerships manager for an organization called Unify America. Ariel, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. She drove all the way here from Colorado just to talk to you listeners and maybe also see the Turnpike Troubadours while she's in town, Perhaps. which is <laughs> both are equally excellent. So, um, yeah, thanks for being here. Um, Let's maybe let's start with the organization side. Um, tell us about Unify America, what it does, and um, or what it's trying to do. Yeah, so Unify America, we're a national nonpartisan nonprofit uh, working to uh, replace political infighting with collaborative problem solving. And um, so we primarily do that uh, through giving virtual opportunities for folks to practice civil discourse. Um, so those are community members from across the country. Um, and then I focus a lot on engaging college students at a wide variety of institutions across the country. That's awesome, right? So I think yeah. I'm sure everyone listening to this show knows somebody in their life that they f feel or they know that they disagree mm -hmm. with, especially about political issues, mm -hmm. um, and might find it hard to even communicate with them about regular everyday things, right? Sometimes. Yeah we let these wedges 
become like enormous things, right? Yeah. Um, and I know there's a number of organizations that are have sprung up in the last decade or so that are working towards this of like, hang on, folks, like if we don't address these problems, we don't try to fix this, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to get worse. And we've, I mean, we know times in our nation's history where we were definitely not unified, where we divided against ourselves, and we'd mm-hmm. like to avoid that. Mm-hmm. I don't want a civil war. I don't think you want a civil war. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's awesome. So mm-hmm. um, how do you, like, how does Unify America help facilitate those kinds of conversations? Yeah. So we host what's called Unify Challenges. So it's the idea is it's two people who come from various backgrounds. Um, it could be different political spectrums, different types of communities. Um, we match them. Uh, they have an online conversation around goal statements. Um, so it's we really focus the conversation around, can you identify a set of shared goals that our country should adopt? Um, so they'll be presented with a goal statement on a particular contentious issue. Um, so it could be everything from police reform to gun violence to abortion. And we ask them where they fall on that spectrum of strongly agree, strongly disagree. Um, And then folks are prompted to share their perspectives. So it's around a shared goal and it's around sharing your unique perspective to a a particular issue. Yeah. Well, and I think often we talk about division, especially Mm -hmm. increasingly along partisan lines. Mm -hmm. But issues themselves aren't necessarily partisan, right? Like, it's not like, are you a Republican or a Democrat? You're asking, how do you feel about this issue? Right. And there's people who might feel differently, mm-hmm. and that's where the opportunity for conversation exists. Right. And I think of this as really redefining politics. I mean, politics isn't about parties per se. It's about the issues that you experience every day and how are you going to make a difference on them and engage as many people as possible in the decision-making process. Well, it, from the list you gave, it sounds like a lot of the issues you try to kind of communicate around might be more local issues than like, you know, I don't know, uh discussing NAFTA or some kind of big national trade agreement. Um, But things like community policing, Mm -hmm. um, housing and homelessness, like things that are very local to to a community. And I think speak to local, but also have um, national conversations as well. Um, So for example, I work with folks in Nebraska who um, are going to implement the Unify Challenge, um, but then they're going to take the this nationally focused conversation and then identify are there local conversations around these problems. Mm. Um, so kind of going from the national, taking it local. Yeah. Which is cool. That is cool. Well, mm-hmm. and I mean, I think just because we have a problem here doesn't, it's not always unique to us, right? And certainly it's helpful to learn about how other jurisdictions are responding to a particular issue, right? Exactly. Um, in fact, I think I saw this week on social media that Oklahoma City Mayor David Holt was at the, whatever the National Convention of Mayors is or whatever the mm-hmm. Conference of Mayors. Um, and I always, every time I see photos from that, I'm always like, I would love to hear mayors from across the country because it's not all like big city mayors either. Right. There's like thousands of folks from cities like Poto or, you know, that are that are mayors and responsible for their town or feel a sense of responsibility and they've got to figure out how to address the same kinds of challenges, maybe on a different scale, right. um, and learning from people that have a different perspective or approach can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know one of the things that you are responsible for is, you mentioned college students, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have a, an event or a project called the College Bowl. Could you yeah. tell us about that? 
Yeah, so we host a biannual college bowl during the fall semester and spring semester where we match thousands of students into one-on-one conversations. Um, And they'll, again, talk about all those types of contentious issues. And we include things like free speech and hate speech, um, which is definitely a really big topic on campuses right now. Um, And we got started in fall of 2021 uh, with just 10 campuses piloting it. Now we're engaging over 160 campuses across 40 states. um, And it just keeps growing. That's exciting. So if if you're a college student Mm -hmm. and you hear about this thing how do you get connected like what's the onboarding process like yeah well we typically work uh, with faculty members deans and other staff members on a campus and they'll implement it into their course and um, so it'll be part of you know a mandatory or extra credit assignment and um, which is really great because then faculty will continue the conversation in their course and um, be able to build on those skills that students started to learn in that unified challenge yeah awesome so are they matched with and this is pr- not just for the college bowl but yeah. i guess Anytime they participate in the in the um, Unify America like programming, mm-hmm. do you get matched with someone local, like at your same college or in your same town or state, or is it you get matched with someone from across the country or, or wherever? The goal is that you're matched with someone in a different state, a different campus, different political leaning, and ideally a different type of community, like a rural, suburban, urban. Um, that would be the perfect match, but at least there will be one to two differences between the students. Okay. Yeah. Which, I mean, I would imagine perhaps the more differences, the more poignant the perspective gained, right? Like if someone's only like, they were like me, but they had brown hair, then it's like, okay, well, that's probably not the same kind of uh, perspective change that we are, or, or per- perspective enlightenment that we're seeking. Mm-hmm. But I do think what's interesting is um, a lot of students, and I would say just generally people come into the conversations thinking it's going to be this nerve wracking conversation. There's going to be yelling. And of course that makes sense given our terrible <laughs> examples of discourse. Um, but folks come out of it thinking they were actually matched with someone of a, a similar political leaning. And that often, more often than not is not the truth. They were matched with their opposite. Um, but because the conversation was centered around shared goals and perspective sharing, um, they had the illusion that it was someone the same. But actually, this person is very different than them. Right. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Well, and and I guess it just proves, right, that we have more in common than we have um, different between right. us. So that's great. Mm-hmm. How did you, uh, Ariel, come to work at Unify America? Um, well, my entrance into politics in this type of work was by accident. Um, I guess I could start all the way in college. Um, During my sophomore year, I got involved with our student-run nonprofit on campus. Um, At the time, I was, didn't know what I was studying, didn't really know how to make friends. It was a massive university, Rutgers. Um, And our student-run nonprofit came in and said, hey, we're running a hunger and homelessness campaign. Do you want to get involved? Um, And that kind of got me on the trajectory of kind of community organizing and student organizing work. Um, And that brought me to organizing students and community members across eight states. Um, and when I was in Florida, I, I worked on the 2020 elections, engaging folks in nonpartisan voter work. Um, and I was working with various hired institutions to develop civic engagement plans. So thinking strategically on, on how are we educating young people about the elections process? How are we getting them registered, turning out? Um, what's the you know kind of uh, conversations they need to have around the issues affecting them in order to help them turn out and motivate them? Um, and at that time, uh, it was around 2021, 2022, uh, campuses were saying, hey, wh- what are the organizations doing really good discourse work? Um, we, we don't have enough of that on our campus. Um, and I was introduced to Unify America from a campus partner. Um, and so I, I started engaging with them and helping publicize their work. And just turns out that they were hiring for a partnerships manager. <laughs> so it worked out for me. 
I like your work so much. I'm going to come work yeah. for you. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, and that's, I mean, what a incredibly pivotal time mm-hmm. to like get engaged in this, right? So yeah. um, let's fix this. I mean, our listeners probably know this, but you don't. Um, so we started in 2016, early in mm-hmm. 2016, before... I mean, there's a lot of organizations that started late in 2016 after the election. Yeah. Um, but we started in March in response to some local or state issues here with our state budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's before we even knew who the nominees would be for the presidential election. Uh, and so as we are approaching that, right, this is our eighth year, um, really wild to think about how much the American democracy has evolved. I was going to mm-hmm. say grown. I think that implies something I'm not ready to imply, uh, just has evolved or changed in the last eight years. Mm-hmm. And not just like democracy, but how we have as citizens mm-hmm. and how we engage with one another, mm-hmm. like about anything, right? Like, um, and uh, politics aside, we had a pandemic in there, right? And so to right. start this kind of work of like, we need to foster better discourse on college campuses as college campuses were still reeling from this enormous shift to an entirely virtual arrangement and maybe we're starting to kind of come back and right. and then have to redefine what what even conversation looks like. Um, so I think I, I'm, I can only imagine from your perspective just like feeling like you're in on the ground floor of like we need to rebuild, we need to rebuild discourse in America and we need to do it with intention mm-hmm. and with purpose and like with a strategic uh, eye on like how we do it and where we do it and with who we do it um, for like a, a broader, deeper purpose, right? Yeah. And I do think higher education institutions were kind of reeling from the pandemic as well. And so they needed easy opportunities to engage students and build community again. Um, because that community really disappeared over COVID. And so a lot of the conversations I was having was how do we instill powerful civic engagement opportunities and programming that help build our community and bring students back on campus and bring them together again? Yeah. You know, um, listeners, last night we had a little happy hour here in Oklahoma City at the Bunker Club, uh, and Arielle was in town, so she got to join us and some other, you know, democracy-loving local folks. So I don't know, we had 15 or 20 people there. Um, it was the first time we've done something like that in several months. It was something we did very often in the before times, right? Like in mm-hmm. 2016 and 17 and 18. And then really when the pandemic hit, obviously we just quit going out. Yeah. And so I was talking with uh, a couple of the owners of that establishment and then just the other guests that we had there about, in some ways, like it feels awkward. And like, I'm a social butterfly like I'm a very extroverted guy and I love um coming to any kind of event where there's gonna be people and conversation always fills my cup but even it even now like I have changed like I'm Mm not I'm probably not as outgoing as I used to be because I've gotten used to like working at home on my computer without having to you know talk to people and uh and then just the process of going out like is still a little I don't know, it's like 10% unfamiliar, right? Which is enough to like make it disconcerting. Um, And so everyone, you know, last night, obviously you didn't know anybody, but um, as there were people I knew, and it was still like, is this how we do this? Like, like at the end, a couple of folks were like, I thought you were going to say something. And I was like, I had thought about it, but I forget that that's like a thing. 
that we have to do. And so I need to send a follow-up email, which I guess <laughs> is the modern equivalent. Um, but I think it, I think that programs like Unify America and other mm-hmm. like bridge building efforts are super important for that very reason, right? That like we have to, we have to intentionally help people learn these skills. Mm-hmm. It's like, right? Like discourse is a skill. Is that yep. a fair thing to say? Like active listening as well. Those are all skills that you have to work on. Yeah. And if we don't have those skills, then like we mean, we just stay stuck in like this, I don't know, pattern of awkward behavior and yeah. like not engaging, I guess. Um, right. Fascinating. So mm-hmm. how much of uh, your, or maybe not your work, but how much of Unify's work is focused on college students? Is it 100%? Is it like 80%? Because you do some stuff that's just the broader public, right? On some level. Yeah, we also, so part of our organization really focuses on the College Bowl, um, which I'm obviously a part of. And then a part of our organization works on uh, deliberations. Um, so a, a community decision-making kind of process um, that we're actually just testing out for the first time in Montrose, Colorado. Ooh, that's fun. Can you tell us any about that or is it still like kind of secretive? So <laughs> not too secretive. Um, <laughs> we do have a website, uh, Unify Montrose. Um, we're wrapping it up right now with a, a final event in February. Um, but essentially the community came together to deliberate around the issue of child uh, care shortage. Mm. Um, so 46 candidates uh, ended up completing the deliberations process. It was a 12-week process um, where they were handing you know, a number of, of various policy uh, solutions to the problem. Um, they deliberated over cost and if it could actually happen in their community. And then they needed to have two-thirds vote yes in order for a particular policy to go forward um, and be presented as the plan of the people uh, to elected officials in the area. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It sounds, I mean, that's a, I have a young child that goes to child care and like yeah. all my, you know, friends that have kids of the same age, like even here in a you know metro area, mm-hmm. there's a distinct childcare shortage, right? Like you have to to get on the list of the good places. You have to be on the list, like for 15 months. And you're like, well, but I don't know. I'm pregnant at the time that I would have to get on the list. Um, and even you know, just if you want to switch places for any reason, you move across town. Like mm-hmm. there's a big hurdle there that affects everything, right? It affects right. work. That it, it affects economic output Mm -hmm. for the people that that matters about, you know, like, um, and so being able to find a community driven solution Mm -hmm. seems like a great way to approach this. Right. It's a, I mean, it's an economic issue. If folks can't find childcare, they're going to go somewhere else if they have to. Right. Right. And Montrose, I just Googled, right. Mm -hmm. Population's like 20,000 people or so. So it's, I was trying to think of an equivalent in Oklahoma, Guthrie for listeners like Guthrie is like eleven thousand, so it's like twice as big as Guthrie, but smaller than Edmond, probably about the size of more. I don't know, um, but like a a normal ish town, right? Like yeah, they have the city. We engage the city and a bit of the county, so it's a it's quite rural actually, yeah. um, which was cool. We wanted to engage a slightly urban rural kind of mix. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. What part of the state is Montrose in? That would be the western slope, south of Grand Junction. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very curious how many of our listeners are going to send messages about, they probably got some story about being in Montrose for <laughs> whatever. I get lots of interesting stories. Um, well, that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. So um, the results from like the Montrose Assembly um, are all available online. Mm-hmm. It sounds like. Um, 
And that was just last month, right? Just in December that this all kind of came out? Yeah, we got started early last year um, to honestly start relationship building, start the delegate process and the recruitment process. Um, and we'll have kind of the, the final unveiling of everything in early February. That's exciting. Big event. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, we talked about this some last night, but mm-hmm. this is essentially a citizen assembly, right? Yes. Like it's a way to um, select a, a group of people, not not the same as like a election, right? Like we are, repu- you know, a um, democratic republic where we elect people to represent us. And it's kind of like that, but it's designed to like work alongside elected officials to help pull in a broader perspective from the community about what people want. Mm-hmm. And it's also, you know, when we think of engaging with our community, it's you, you vote, you can show up to a town hall. There's actually quite limited ways for you to be part of the decision-making process. So this is a way for a community to come together and be part of that process, bring it to elected officials and work hand in hand together. Yeah, that's great. And I mean, from an elected official's perspective, you're just one person, right? Mm-hmm. And even if there's, you know, I don't know how many members are on the city council, but if it's like Oklahoma City where you've got nine members, that's only nine people out of 800,000. It's tough for any one of them to be the, uh, like, or for all of them even, to, like, collect the opinions of a representative sample of people. Like, it right. tends to be only those who speak up and maybe that self-selects into, like, some unique subgroups of the population but involving an assembly can be a uh, a bigger group right you had 200 people i think right for you said yeah it uh, started with a, a larger group um and then we selected through a process for 46 yeah um, in the end okay so down to 46 in the end mm-hmm. um and then but that's still like way bigger than any city council except yeah. for like chicago which is a whole different yeah they have like 50 members or something but um but yeah, so you get like a much broader, I think, perspective. That's really helpful. Right. Yeah, it's ensuring that all these different types of you know diverse viewpoints are heard and elected officials have the opportunity to hear those. And then I think the coolest part, I mean, obviously this is really cool, but um, we started to host sessions for folks who maybe weren't a part of that process, hmm. but wanted to hear what the conversations were um, and, and stay involved. And so that was so now a 501c3 nonprofit called Unify Montrose has been created and will continue to be held together by folks within that assembly or within that delegate pool. That's cool. Um, so they're going to continue the work, um, right. which is great because our whole goal is how can we set up, help them set up the structure and then they take it from there um, right. to continue the process. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So are they going to go on to other issues then to discuss something besides child care, but on yep. to something else? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, that's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, um, what is, uh, for our listeners, is there anything coming up that um, they could help with, get involved with, um, support the work of Unify America, or you know, find ways to build bridges in their own community? Well, I'd say, just to throw it out there, we now have a donation page on our website. Sure, so sure. So if, if folks are interested. Um, but we host uh, open challenges, so those unified challenges, twice a month. So if, if folks are interested in having a conversation with someone from a different part of the country, that's an option every single month of the year. Um, and then additionally, if you know folks are educators at a higher institution, the College Bowl is always an option, um, a great way to engage students and continue these conversations on campus. Yeah. Do you know if any universities in Oklahoma participate in that? Yeah. Uh, Rose State College participates. Uh, OCCC is participating for the first time. 
uh, Redlands Community College yeah. is participating. So definitely seeing some growth, which is, is awesome. Really excited. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, no surprise about Rose State. And I know you met with them today, yep. but uh, Dr. Stacy and Dr. Davenport are yes. friends of the friends of the pod, I guess, as we could say. Um, it's exciting. Well, mm-hmm. uh, interesting. I think I, I know we will certainly do whatever we can to help um, get that connected with some other of the, especially like the larger universities right. um, would be great. I mean, I think they, I know there's been some turnover in some of those like civic positions there for mm-hmm. students, but um, I think they've been filled and it's always, if you don't ask, they can't say yes. Right. Yeah. And I find that once we meet people and we tell them about how easy it is to utilize the programs and implement it in their classes or communities, it's pretty much a shoe in from there. It's just actually getting the meeting. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, well, um, anything else, Ariel, you want to talk about before we wrap up for today? I thought it'd be good to maybe wrap up with how we approach conversations. I know you brought up, you know, contentious family member discussions yeah. and it's never really easy. So I thought I could wrap up with some tips around that. Please. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so I think first is recognizing that there are times to have these conversations and also times to not. Um, I think first it's important to recognize those moments And the way that I know I think about it and folks at Unify think about it is we have to come into these conversations with kindness, compassion, and courage. And if the other person is not coming into it with that same, with those same ideals, then maybe it's not the time to have that conversation. But when it is, um, there's, there's three ways that, you know, three things that I approach it with. Um, The first is you want to, what we call hitting the bullseye. So you want to figure out quickly, what is this person really trying to say to me right now? Sometimes it's as easy as saying, what, what are we getting at here? <laughs> um, the second is we, we want to value curiosity uh, over winning. I think it's pretty natural for us to come into a conversation. How do I end up on top? Right. How do I end up with the last word? Um, but we want to be curious. We want to ask open-ended questions, which helps us get to that hitting the bullseye point. Um, and then the last one is in those moments of conflict, uh, we want to think about, again, those shared goals to bring it back down to earth of you know, we're collectively here trying to have a conversation on how we're creating a better country for all of us. Um, so I think, you know, the, the kindness, compassion, and courage is important. And if you're able to come into that with that understanding, then hitting the bullseye, being curious about the other person, and then identifying those shared goals can come quickly. I mean, that's, I think you just summarized the takeaways from my negotiation class and my MBA program, right? Yeah. That, um, that it, and just to highlight, like, yeah. It so fundamentally changes a conversation when you don't approach it from the perspective of I want to win this right now. Mm-hmm. Because every conversation is like a little deposit into a bigger relationship piggy bank, right, right. with that person. And sometimes it's not about winning immediately. It's just about like getting the ball a little further down right. to tee up a conversation when it is the right time, when you might – things might resonate differently with them than it, than it does right now. Right. <coughs> it's so important to first and foremost build trust with someone. Yeah. Um, if you can't build trust, you can't identify those shared goals and you can't have a relationship with someone. Right. So if you can, yeah, come into it, that introductory conversation with the goal of, I want to understand this person. I want to genuinely get to know them and, and I want to build this trust. Then you can come to further conversations later down the road. Yeah. And I, um, you also don't know this about me, but I, um, my first career was in counseling. Like mm-hmm. I'm a licensed uh, counselor. I did marriage counseling for a long time. So 
a lot of these are similar, right? And yeah. one of the things I would tell my clients is to always approach it with giving the other person the benefit of the doubt to like mm-hmm. not assumed, you know, bad intent from the beginning, mm-hmm. because that will also color how you present yourself and the questions you ask. Like mm-hmm. if you're, if you're assuming that they, your spouse or whomever you're talking to, like did something for bad reasons, they're going to pick up on that right away and realize that you are not approaching the conversation in good faith. Right. Yeah. yeah. Great. Awesome. Um, is, do you have all that like as a fact sheet or a downloadable PDF kind of thing that could be shared? I'm sure it's somewhere, but, it, <laughs> but <laughs> our Google Drive is messy. Ah, fair enough. Fair um, enough. But I'm sure it exists, but we can create it if it doesn't. Awesome. I was just going to say, I'll, yeah. I'll link to it if you've got it. If not, I will just send everyone um, in the show notes to the Unify America website. Um, as she mentioned, if you'd like to support their effort, there's a blue donate button in the top right-hand corner. Um, also, if you click on the events tab, um, as Ariel mentioned, there are upcoming unified challenges that are open challenges you can join. The next one is on January 24th. That's next week, February 14th. What better way to celebrate love than, you know, building relationships with strangers. And then in March, uh, there's two, there's one on the 13th and then one on March 28th, which is my birthday. And so if you want to honor, uh, celebrate me turning out 43, I think, um, you can do a unified challenge and again, build relationships with strangers and walk away feeling like you made a tiny deposit into building, I think a stronger or resilient, healthier democracy for us all. And then you can brag to your friends about, I did this thing and get them to do it. And little by little, we can take over the world. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Ariel, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. Listeners, thank you for being here as well. This is, um, we're getting back in the habit, right? We haven't done an episode since last, uh, since November on our 250th live show, uh, which you can watch on YouTube now. I may put the link to that in the show notes as well, in case you've got an hour and a half to kill and you want to watch me and Scott uh, interview Senator Kurt and Labor Commissioner Leslie Osborne and play a little trivia with our audience. Um, But we'll be getting back into the regular schedule of weekly episodes here, um, I think, effective pretty much right now. I know we've got some some episodes lined up with Shannon Fleck from the Oklahoma Faith Network, um, with Dr. Davenport from Rose State, uh, and from a bunch of other uh, advocates and partners here in town. It should be an exciting and eventful spring. I mean that genuinely. I'm not just trying to be silly. I mean that. It's going to be a good year. Uh, but we need your help. So uh, don't forget, um, you know, be kind to your neighbors and keep in mind that decisions are made when, nope, man, I'm so out of practice. Decisions are made by those who show up. Have a good week.